Welcome to another episode of American, American Timelines. Timelines. I'm Amy. And I am Joe. Dabney that's, no, that's Coleman's neighbor, Phil. No, that's Joe. I collect soup cans. And this is the podcast where you can get all your 1980s nostalgia. Yes. Um, Pop culture. Remembering. True crime. Songs. Movies. Everything. Yep, everything like that. Maybe too much. Maybe we talk about too many things. I don't know. We yep, haven't figured that yep, out. That's true. This is episode... I Something. I have no idea what episode this is, this is now. A, yep. Because there's but so this many. This is the second half of 1985. The second <laughs> half of 1985. And... This um, is episode... 19. And I will insert the number. I um, was in the midst of talking about... Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, and we were in the middle of the year, so Joe's going to start us off with a few yeah. little tidbits. Right, and if you remember, uh, just a quick recap of what Richard has done. Just He's to, just been uh, raping and pillaging yes. and murdering throughout California. And random, like sometimes he shoots people, sometimes he gouges their eyes out. Sometimes he stabs them. He left two old women to lay beaten and raped and, yes. and tortured for three days. He carves pentagrams all over everything. Pentagrams on people. Like, he's just, he's had he's, a messed up childhood. Yes, he's he a messed up dude. The devil. And he's just, and nobody, and it's all over the place, too. It's different cities and yep. counties, and all it's really California. just awful. But nobody knows that mm -hmm. it's him yet. That's um, right. But, and we just finished with Back to the Future, and then, uh, oh, actually, Sue Studio, uh, and then we had new coke and then we had coke classic came out and then july 13th saturday july 13th we had a new number one song from uh this is a song from a james bond movie duran duran a view to a kill remember that song uh sort of john taylor bassist john taylor of duran duran approached the producer of this james bond movie cubby broccoli Mm -hmm. uh, Cubby Broccoli? Cubby Broccoli is his name, yeah. Oh my uh, he God. approached producer Cubby Broccoli at a party and somewhat drunkenly asked, when, when are you going to get someone decent to do one of your theme songs? This inauspicious... That's a terrible English <laughs> that's a accent. terrible accent. Yeah, yeah it is. This inauspicious... Hi, matey. No, that's yeah, Australian. You're doing a pirate now? When are you going to get someone decent to do one of your theme songs? Oh, God, that, that was awful. Is that better? No, that was terrible. That's British. That sounds British. This inauspicious meeting led to some serious talks, and the band was introduced to Bond composer John Barry and also Jonathan Elias. Okay. Uh, and so, there you. And uh, the first couple times they got together to record the song, everyone got drunk instead of composing. Okay. Uh, but that song, uh, you know that song, right? Duran Duran, "View no. to a Kill." I'm gonna sing it a little bit. I do probably. It's know killing it. me because it it doesn't. They never say that those words. I don't think it's like a song that. You, Number one, I never knew was... I, it's, it's not Rio or anything no, like that. No, it's not Rio, but you know the song, but I don't think I ever knew what they were saying or what they were even singing about because Duran Duran song. Oh, the Union of the Snake or something? They all sound the same. They do. It's such bad music. God, Duran Duran like, almost gives me a stomachache because it's so 80s. So 80s. 
into the fire. It's on me. Oh, yeah. Into the fire. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember this ever being that popular. No, I know. Number one. You know, I kind of remember that song, but Hungry Like the Wolf was like the shit. Much more popular. I was in love with the woman in that video, Hungry Like the Wolf. I don't know why. Anyway, uh, yeah, that song became number one. And then Saturday, July 13th, Live Aid. Yep. And this was the day. It was Live Aid. Now, I remember for sure. This is when Bob Dylan pissed everybody off. Oh, okay. By saying, uh, telling people, oh, yeah, this is Live Aid. It's for Africa and the family. But but our farmers need some help, too. So maybe someday we could do something for them. And a lot of people got pissed off at him then. But but then that led to Farm Aid. So, boom. Friday, July 19th, 1985, mm-hmm. billed as a top free agent in pro wrestling, Randy Savage. Randy the Macho Man had his oh, first appearance on geez. Tuesday Night Titans, yeah. and it featured several established managers. Bobby Heenan, Jimmy Hart, Classic Freddie Blassie. We're just going to have Randy Savage history throughout the decade. Yes, we are. Yep. And they were all offering their services to Matt Macho Man because he didn't have a manager. Sexual services? No. Management, okay. sir. They're like, we're no. going to take you to the top because he didn't have a manager. Oh, like you, we can tell you're awesome. Yeah. And they would come out to the ring while he was wrestling and mm-hmm. all like try to woo him, and and he would show off for all these managers. They're all offering him money, but he eventually declined all of their offers, mm-hmm. and he chose his new manager, Miss Elizabeth. Oh, was she really his manager? Yeah, it was his wife, and then oh. he, it was his manager. But his gimmick was a crazed, egomaniacal bully who mistreated Miss Elizabeth and threatened anyone who even looked at her. Okay. And But a lot of wrestlers said he really was kind of like that. Like oh, he, he really? He would put her in a room by herself, and oh. you're not allowed to go in there, not allowed to talk to her, and stuff like that. Oh. He met her at a uh, uh, a gym. She was like a receptionist or something oh, at okay. a gym, and that's where he first met her. And then he, he married her, and he just decided to take her on the road with him. Yeah. Um, Yep. Macho Man Randy Savage. So anyway, all these managers were trying to woo him on on Tuesday Night Titans, but it was actually on a Friday. It was stupid. Saturday, July 27th, Wait a minute. I got something on July 26th. Oh, July 26th. What is it, baby? Tim Burton's directorial debut and Danny Elfman's film scoring debut happened on the same film. Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Oh, Big Adventure. Jan Hooks improvised all the dialogue for her scene as the Alamo tour guide. Oh, she was great. She was. There's no basement in the Alamo. During the entire Large Marge, the entire time Large Marge tells her story, she never blinks. Oh, And the dinosaurs in the film are an actual tourist attraction located at the Wheel Inn Restaurant in Cabazon, California, near Palm Springs. Oh, really? I bet yes. everybody goes there and just says, oh, peewees. Yep. 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 So that That's was, awesome. What did you have on the 27th? July 27th was a Saturday, and there was a new number one single, Paul Young. You know who Paul Young is? Remember him? Mm, no. Every time you go oh, yuck. away, yes. you take, take a piece of me with, with you. Every time yep. you go. Away. What else? You take a one of my turds with you, a piece <laughs> of my poop. Uh, it's a song written and composed by Daryl Hall. Boy, no wonder. Yeah, it sounds like a Daryl Hall song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was first recorded by Hall and Oates, but they didn't release it as a single. August 3rd, 1985, Tears for Fears. Shout. Shout. Let it all out. These are now, wait a things I can do without. Were, were they Tears for Fears we already talked about, right? Mm-hmm. To you. Yeah, we talked about them because I ridiculed you for thinking that this song was number one. And what was June. the other one? 
But it was a Tears for Fears song, right? It was. Okay. So at least I had the artist right. Yeah, right. I, I, it was a good guess. Well, right, because it became It was a one, month later. It was a month later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, why, that's why it's funny that I ridiculed you for oh, see, thinking it was it. June and not July. Duh. Well, you're just an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> no, I was just... It's called teaching lessons. No, honey. it's This not. is what, how you teach a lesson. You're a dick. Um, anyway, it's about, that song's about primal scream theory. Okay. Saturday, August 17th, there was a rerun of T.J. Hooker on TV. Okay. And Hormel workers went on strike at the Hormel headquarters in Austin, Minnesota. And you know what Hormel makes, right? Chili? Spam. Oh. They're the makers of canned spam. Okay. Um, they make chili, too. Hormel chili, they do, right. Okay, so Richard Ramirez. Richard Ramirez, his, all the spam guys are. Traveling striking. in his whirlwind of mayhem everywhere murdering everybody and raping people um the relentless media and police pressure aided with the description from his surviving victims forced ramirez to leave la area at, at that august he journeyed north to san francisco where he took two more victims peter and barbara pan no yep shut up nope. peter pan yep. ma bell and peter pan these are the names i'm telling you is this all fake on august 17th his somebody's name was peter pan yes they were Asian, so now you feel what, bad. Why does that? Why? Why would I feel more bad that they're Asian? <laughs> because the last name's Pan. That's obviously an Asian name. It is. Yeah. Peter Pan. Yes, it's an Asian if name. If your name is Pan, why would you go by Peter? Well, I he's he probably couldn't didn't pick his name, but especially if they're Asian, maybe they don't have that story over there or something. Like maybe they've never heard of Peter Pan. Maybe you don't know. And maybe every fucking day somebody's so, like, hey, fucking Peter Pan. Anyway, <laughs> so his unmistakable mo, complete with the satanic symbolism, meant that the Valley Intruder moniker was no longer applicable. That's what they first called him. Wait, the, what? They f initially called him the Valley Intruder, but right. they said that was not anymore. Can't applicable. call him that anymore because so why? The, press quickly coined a new name, the Night Stalker, as most oh, of his assaults took Night place at, at the night in his victim's home. He's probably excited because now I'm, instead of, I'm just a valley intruder, now I'm the Night Stalker. August 23rd, okay. Teen Wolf Oh, came out the same year as Back to the Future, and Michael J. Fox uh, did not like Teen Wolf at all. Like, he oh, hates really? it to this day, thinks it was garbage. Which makes me not like Michael J. Fox, because I love Teen Wolf, and Teen Wolf is great. I actually watched it today. I know you did. And I watched it today because I looked up this info, and it said that when Scott sings the final shot at the end of the movie, yeah, uh, he goes into the stands and hugs his father. Mm -hmm. Immediately behind Michael J. Fox and James Hampton, an, an extra in a red sweater can be seen with an unzipped fly. Did, really? And this incident later, yeah, it later resulted in internet rumor that it's a man exposing himself. But uh, if you look at the full frame version, I show this. And I show the kids. It's a it's a girl. It's a young woman. Apparently, her pants were too tight, so she unbuttoned and unzipped them. So she sit down in the bleachers, and it's just at the top. You only see her from the waist down. You see this person's pants wide open. Then you see her like put her sweater down. Then you see her zip it up. Like really? Back, yeah. It's like <laughs> it's bizarre. It's yeah. So I watch that, and I also they also say that um, when he makes his sh when he uh, after he makes the game winning shot, there's a crowd shot and emilio estevez can be seen in front of booth oh, his girlfriend is it and so i watched for that's what i really watched for yeah. it's like, there's no fucking way emilio estevez is just hanging out as an extra in that show but i thought oh maybe he and michael j fox are friends and he was mm -hmm. there and i watched it like 25 times you can't see him i think it's a guy that looks kind of like emilio estevez oh. but i don't think it's him no there's one because there's like two 
frames mm-hmm. that you can see this guy. One, he's like standing there, or he's got his arms up in the air, and the next he's running down because they all oh. run, run down to the court. And you re- literally spent your tw- time watching this for twenty five times. I spent a lot of time times. today watching that. I mean, Audrey was getting mad. Like just I bet she was. And uh, but I think there is one of the frames he looks kind of like Emilio Estevez, but the other one yeah. is clearly not Emilio Estevez. Oh, okay. He's way bigger, and he's not. He kind of looks a little bit like him. He makes a face look like him, but he's not. I don't think this is true. I think IMDb is wrong, and I'm going to sue them. Yeah, <laughs> might as well. But, uh, yeah, that was August 23rd that came out. Oh, and I just, because we're talking about Teen Wolf, I, I'm just going to say a line from that. It's Coach Finstock, because uh, I use this, and this is the advice I give to my kids all the time, mm-hmm. and, and people on the street who want advice, because he gives great advice to Scott. He says, Scott's like having all this trouble. How do I, what should I do? I'm mm-hmm. losing my friends. I don't know what to do. I can't get a girl. And he says, well, let me give you some advice. There are three rules that I live by. Never get less than 12 hours sleep. Never play cards with a guy who has the same first name as a city. And never get involved with a woman with a tattoo of a dagger on her body. Now, you stick to that, everything else is cream cheese. Okay. <laughs> that's, a great, that's great advice. That's, uh, I tell the kids that all the time. Uh, what do you mean? Eh. Eh. And then on Saturday, August 24th, there was a rerun of Airwolf on TV. <laughs> so his actions on his final night of terror on August 24th, 1985, soon led to his capture. That's his final night? His final the night The same night that The Power of Love by Huey Lewis yep. came number one. First, he was spotted outside a Mission Vallejo home where he unwittingly left another footprint before the witness took note of his car and li- before a witness took note of his car and license plate. So this young kid saw him and um, got his license plate. But how do they know it was him? Well, the police... They had a description? Yeah. And they saw footprint? Um, later, after Ramirez raped another woman at her home and shot her fiancé, the victim provided a detailed description of her assailant who had forced her to swear her love for Satan. Whoa. So he didn't kill her. He no, raped, raped her, her. killed the husband. Yeah. Tell me you love Satan. Yes, he did it. Tell and me you love Satan. Made I her. don't really love him now. Commit to Satan now. So his abandoned car was found a few days later, complete with enough of a fingerprint to make a match, and his criminal record enabled enabled the police to finally put a name to the Night Stalker. They finally got the Night Stalker's name. So he... Um, and the Valley Killer... National TV and print media coverage fe- featuring his prison photo, along with a series of clues from witnesses and survivors, um, starts up. And, and he goes to Arizona to visit his brother. And Not knowing any of this is on the TV? Yeah. He goes to Arizona to visit his brother, and while he's gone, they find out his name. And oh then they, paste, they plaster his face on the front of all the newspapers. Everywhere. And he's not, he's not in town, so he has no idea. He has no idea and that it's about to come to a... Yeah. So then he comes back into L.A. and he gets off the in the bus. He's at the bus bus, station, and there's police at the bus station, but they're expecting to see somebody get on the bus to take to leave. Yeah, they they don't expect somebody's arriving. Right. So, um, so they don't notice him. They just don't because they're watching for people trying to leave. Yeah. And so then he goes to this. That's crazy. Then he um goes into the store. And he notices the people are staring at him in the store. Everybody's like, holy shit, that's and a guy that's everywhere. He gets something, and he notices he sees his face on the newspaper. Oh, and then he shit. hears these women, these um, like Spanish women were standing in the back of the store, and oh they, they start pointing at him and going, oh, El Matador, El Matador, El Matador, which is the killer. That means the killer? Yeah. El Matador means the killer? Yeah. And so they're pointing at him. Tito Santana was the killer, huh? They're saying that. El Matador. El Matador. um, So he takes off running. 
and, and starts hopping fences in the neighborhoods. He tries to steal a car three different times. Boom. And, and he can't because everybody's are just starting pointing to at him. They're starting to chase him. There's everyone. So his mob. Citizens are just chasing him. start chasing him. And they're chasing what? him through the through neighborhoods this and is like backyards. A it is. And so then they catch him and they beat the shit out of him. What? Yeah. yeah beat the shit out of that dude. He, he ran across the, he, he Before they, they got him, he ran across a freeway and got onto a bus. Beat and then ass. he gets on the bus and slowly everybody in the bus starts pointing at him. Wait, wait. He got away from the mob that was beating the shit out of him. They, they, before they started beating him, they're chasing oh. him. And, oh, and he ran across the highway, yeah. got on a bus. And, and he gets on the bus and he's like probably out of breath and panting and everything. Yeah. And then people start, uh, the bus, everybody's like, hey, staring at him and they're, no, they bro. stand up and start pointing uh-uh. at him. Uh-uh, bro. So then he gets off the bus and he tries to steal this woman's car, but her husband comes around and starts beating the shit out of him. And then all the rest of the mob oh. catches up and everybody's beating him up. And the police finally get there. They have to like protect him from yeah, this angry mob that is like apart. ready to kill him. Yeah. So um, he waited in jail as his trial was continuously pushed off. The delay was marked by a series of motions and bickering between the prosecution, prosecutors and defense attorney. Man. And they had to, um, there was, some of his charges were dropped in order to expedite what was becoming a long jury to justice because of all of this stuff. So jury selection process finally moves forward on July 22nd, 1988. And the trial itself commenced the following January. During this time, Ramirez attracted a cult-like following of supporters, many of whom wore black-clad Satan worshipers. Ramirez himself often dressed in black along with dark sunglasses for his courtroom appearances. And he had this, all these women that liked him. That were big groupies, yes. That's so weird. Yet another delay occurred when one juror was found murdered on August 14th, 1989, but rumors that Ramirez had orchestrated her death proved unfounded. That's the same day that the Sega Genesis was released. Yep. On September 20th, 1989, the jury finally reached a unanimous guilty verdict on 43 charges, including 13 counts of murder, 5 counts of attempted murder, 11 sexual assault charges, and 14 burglary charges. That's two weeks later, the same jury recommended the death sentence on 19 counts. Leaving the courtroom, Ramirez responded, Hey, big deal. Death always comes with the territory. I'll see you in Disneyland. That was his last, Mm -hmm. that's what he said. The convicted murderer was formally sentenced to death in the gash chamber on November 7th, 1989. He was sentenced to San Quentin Prison in California to spend the remainder of his days. On what day? November 7th, 1989. That's that same night... uh the television show Chicken Soup was on with oh. Jackie Mason and Lynn Redgrave. While he was incarcerated, Ramirez married one of his supporters, 41-year-old Doreen Le- Leoy, in 1996. What's wrong with that lady? His long-awaited appeal finally made it to the California Supreme Court in 2006 before being rejected. Ramirez eventually was linked to, to more vicious crimes. In 2009, a DNA sample connected him with the April 10th rape and murder of a nine-year-old girl in San Francisco. <sighs> After nearly 24 years on death row, Richard Ramirez died on June 7th, 2013, at the age of 53, from complications related to B-cell lymphoma. Uh. According to San Quentin Corrections officers, his death came shortly after he was taken to the hospital. So that is pretty much the story of the Night Stalker Richard Ramirez. I can't believe all those people beating the shit out of him didn't kill him. I know. You know I, I love mean? that. I hit the that whole. I can imagine that whole scene of his capture. I'd love to be helping them beat the shit yes, out of him. Yes, absolutely. Especially if you told me the nine-year-old girl part. But yeah. 
just watching all those people just band together. I mean, it was a community. Like, yeah, was they were like, taking their community back. Yeah, and they were they like were terrorized no, by him. You can't be here. Yep. you don't belong here. Yeah. You can't do that shit to us. Yeah, we're Americans. It's like vigilante. We're Americans, motherfucker. That's we love right. Randy Macho Man Savage, and oh, we love right. Mr. T and WrestleMania, and you can't do that shit. We're gonna watch Back to the Future and Teen Wolf, and that's right. You can't watch it. That's Go right. To jail, biatch. Saturday, September seventh. Yeah. A uh, new number one song on the Billboard charts, John Parr. You know who that is? Sort of. I didn't know who he was. St. Elmo's Fire. Oh, I was going to say, I thought he was a composer. Yuck. Did you know that this song was originally written by David Foster and John Parr for the Canadian athlete Rick Hansen? No. Who, at, who at the time was going around the world in his wheelchair to raise awareness for spinal cord injuries. Okay. His journey was called the Man in Motion Tour. Oh. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Saturday, September 14th, the Golden Girls pilot aired. Dorothy, Rose, and Blanche are three women who share a house in Miami, Florida. Yes, they Dorothy's do. Dorothy's elderly mother, Sophia, unexpectedly moves in after her retirement home burns down, and Blanche accepts a proposal of marriage and then ends up banging every dude in Miami. That's right. Blanche was a slut. She was. She banged everybody, every rich way. I feel like you edited that a little bit. Uh, no, I didn't. She has had so much sex. Everyone Gross. has had sex with Blanche. Rue McClanahan is good to go. All right, now Boom. Did you know that Rue McClanahan was originally going to play Rose and Betty White oh, was no. going to play Blanche originally? Really? Because that's their characters from other shows like oh yeah betty white's always mm-hmm. a whore and rue mcclanahan's always a dummy yeah and they decided for fun they to wanted to switch it. it up like i want to try i want to try to be dumb and i want to try to be a whore because betty white was always gorgeous yeah, beautiful. she, is, so she was yeah. always the, the sexy yeah. sex slut one so they switched it up and they oh, were both funny. brilliant yeah they yeah. were did you know that nope wednesday september 18th david letterman's first top 10 list appeared oh that late that late who did it throughout the 80s no, it didn't start till 85. Okay. And his first top 10 list, do you want to know what it was? What was it? It's not great. The top 10 words that almost rhyme with peas. Oh, that was it? And it's 10. Heats. Oh, because it Number nine, was. rice. Oh. Number eight, moss. Number seven, you're gonna re- You're going to read all 10 of them? Number six, needs. Yeah. Number five, lens. That doesn't even almost rhyme with peas. Number four, ice. Almost rhymes with peas. Number three, nurse. This is what went for comedy in 1985? Yes. Number two, leaks. And the number one word that almost rhymes with peas, meats. That just... <laughs> I don't, it's so it's stupid that it's funny. almost... Meats is always... He always loved meats. meats. He always loved talking yeah. about meats. But... Yeah, that was a plural on yeah, it. I don't get like that. Really wasn't that. clever. I can't believe that turned into a nightly. I bit, know, right? Because that was the first one was not that good. Nope. September twenty first, nineteen eighty five. Dire Straits take over the number one Billboard charts with money for nothing and, and your chicks, chicks for, for free. free. I want my, I want my MTV. Did you know that? That's that part is the same uh, sound as. 
Don't stand so. Oh, it is. That's true. So close to me. How did you figure that, that out? Sting, that's Sting that sings it. You know, oh, right? he sings I Want My MTV. I want my oh. And he also sings on the hook oh, on okay. that song. He sings the um, the background. He sings. Uh, easy, easy money for nothing. They What do they say? He sings. We can get some microwave ovens. Custom kitchens delivery. We gotta move these refrigerators. We gotta move these color TVs. Look at that. Look at that. And he sings the part that goes. There's a part in there that he sings. Money for nothing. Yeah. Money for nothing in the cheeks. But I didn't know that was Sting. Yeah, that's Sting that sings the background in that, too. Um, and that, remember the, how groundbreaking that video was? I mean, our yeah. kids watch it too. They're like, that was high tech back yeah, then. Like, that's it's right. Because so, it he jumps, the, the computer animated guy jumps into the TV, yep. into the video. Um, but the cool thing about this, the song's lyrics are written from the point of view of two working class men watching music videos and commenting on what they see. Yeah. And uh, the song features a guest appearance by Sing, Sting, singing background vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, both the introduction of I Want My MTV and. Uh, that other part you can hear. You can tell it's him. Yeah. Um, but the, the lead guy is the guy who works in a hardware department and television custom kitchen refrigerator microwave appliance store singing the song. And uh, Mark Knop, Knop, Knopfler, Mark mm-hmm. Knopfler, who wrote the song, he said, I actually wrote the song when I was in a store. I, I had to borrow a piece of paper and write it down right then because I, I wanted to use the language that the guy was actually saying because it was more real and they actually heard this guy yeah and they were in a department store with all the tvs they, they gotta move these color tvs and they had all these tvs on and it yeah. was switched to mtv and motley crew actually tommy lee mentioned that he thinks that song's about motley crew uh because they were on the mtv that they were there's a motley oh. crew video because they talk about look at that faggot on the mtv and they oh. say that little faggot gonna be a millionaire yeah and they say that and then it goes uh motley crew thinks that's about them yeah he said it was about them and it probably was because they're saying um uh as they're standing there at this store they're they're here this repair guy this t- or these tv guys saying wearing a the guy was wearing a baseball cap work boots and a checkered shirt delivering boxes and uh He's watching MTV and he remembers the man saying things like, "What are those Hawaiian Hawaiian? What are those Hawaiian noises? That ain't working. That's the way you do. You know that ain't oh. working." And then he said uh, he was writing him down and he heard the guy saying, "Oh man, look at that guy banging bongos like a chimpanzee." He describes a singer as that little faggot with the earring and the makeup, mm-hmm. and he bemoans that these artists, these artists, they get money for nothing and chicks for free. And oh no, Nikki Six was the one who said the song was about. Uh, Motley Crue's okay. outrageous lifestyle because they wore makeup. Yeah, he's like, look at this, look at this faggot with an earring and a makeup. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so he actually says that in the song. Yeah, I know that with it does. Yeah, which I, um, that's a pretty good song though. Still, I mm-hmm. still don't even play that loud. Thursday, October tenth, uh, one another top show uh, aired one of their special events. Cosby Show had oh. a happy anniversary. Yeah, it's terrible now because he was raping yeah. people probably during the filming of this, but. Uh, uh, this was a big Cosby show when it was uh, Russell and Anna Huxtable's anniversary. And so the, uh, the Huxtables do a big song and dance, and they do a whole song. They perform Ray Charles' Nighttime is the Right Time. Oh, You never watched Cosby show, right? I did some, They did yeah. this whole video where they all came down yeah. the steps singing, and they all sang I wonder it. if he ever assaulted Felicia Rashad. I don't think she did because Ahmad Rashad would have beat the fucking shit out of Oh, him. he was a football player, wasn't he? Yeah, for the Vikings, the greatest oh, okay. team ever. But. She she stood by him kind of through a lot of this. I wonder. She never did, you know. Um, 
But you know, she they had to know. Everybody had to know. I know, had you to know. know. Oh, terrible. I wonder if he did anything with Lisa Bonet. Well, she there was controversy there. Remember, she pissed him off by really being nude in movies or something. But I don't know if there was anything like that. But but anyway, that episode they they all sing that Ray mm-hmm. Charles song, and it's real funny because Rudy sings the the really yeah. Baby! I remember really that now. I do remember that. And that was really funny, and everyone loved that. Like that was a huge big thing. But rape ruined it. Um, yes. Thursday, October 10th, mm-hmm. the death of Yule Brenner. He died of lung cancer. Yep, I remember that. And after his death, there was a commercial that aired. With, with him. him on it saying, yep. don't smoke. Now that I'm gone, I tell you don't smoke. Whatever you do, just don't smoke. Saturday, October 12th, a new number one song. Oh, Sheila. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Oh, Sheila. Who sings that? I was going to ask you. Do you know who sings that? Oh. It's like, no, I don't. I will admit, I always thought it was Prince. Yeah, it sounds like Prince. It does sound like Prince. It's a complete knockoff of Prince. Yeah. It's a, it's a group called Ready for the World. Oh. And the song is very commonly misattributed to Prince. Yeah. Um, because of Sheila. And, and I think because of Sheila, Sheila, Sheila e. e and all that. Yeah. And I'll admit, I really think I thought that was him this whole time. Yeah. Total ripoff, though. It's a ripoff. Yeah. yeah. Ready for the World is an American R&B band from Flint, Michigan. Uh, and that the lead singer kind of looks and dresses like Prince. Oh, right? so it's totally yeah, so it's kind of Prince, yeah. yeah. At least, that, yeah, in the video, on the album cover, anyway. October 19th, mm-hmm. Ready for the World has overtaken by Aha. Oh. And they had a groundbreaking video. Yeah, I remember it. Remember this? Yes. Remember the video? Yep, it was like a drawing, and they went into the comic book, and it was... Yeah, the girl, he pulls the girl yeah, into the comic book, right. and falls in love with God, her. I and can't she remember the name of the song, though. Take, take on me. That's on right. Me. Yep. Take Who sings that again? Me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's yeah. Right. Yeah, and it was it was, a, it was a really good video. I watched it re- recently. I, was, I made the kids them, watch it, and they I thought it was cool. I get them confused with the ones, the Tears for Fears. I get Tears for Fears and Aha. Uh-huh yeah, confused. I could see, because I, I can't name anything else Aha uh-huh saying. Can you? Yeah, no. Nope. They're a Norwegian synth-pop band. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a pretty good, uh, that's a pretty good video. I mean, I really definitely... Yeah. Pretty much holds up. Boom. How about that? Yep. Saturday, October 26th. Aha, Take On Me is overtaken by Whitney Houston. Oh, um, I want to dance with somebody or something. Saving all oh. my love yeah. for you. Um, it's written by Michael Masser and Gary Goffin. Mm-hmm. It was originally a minor hit for Marilyn McCoo and Billy Davis ha. in 1978. Yes, Marilyn McCoo. So this is a redo, which I didn't realize it was a redo. Yeah. So boom. How do you like? You're familiar with Marilyn McCoo? She was in Solid Gold. Oh God. She was one of the MCs of Solid Gold. Really? Yep. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Sunday, Sunday, or as the as the old people say, Sunday. Mm-hmm. The very next day after that became number one, the 1985 World Series ended. American League champions Kansas City Royals played the NL champions St. Louis Cardinals and won the series in seven games. It was popularly known as the Show Me Series or the I-70 Showdown Series. Oh. As both cities are in the state of Missouri That's and right. are connected by Interstate 70. Yep. You know who the MVP was? Nope. Brett Saberhagen. Oh, no. Saberhagen married his high school sweetheart, Janine Inglet, in 1984. But that marriage and a second marriage ended in divorce, proving once and for all that there's nothing to look forward to in life. Who cares? 
if Brett Saberhagen, Saberhagen cannot have a successful two marriages, Honey. why should we try? All right, what's next? This marriage is not going to last. Brett Saberhagen's didn't. Friday, November 1st, 1985, the Enoch Pratt Free Library in Baltimore yeah. held a free or it held a youth rap contest. Yeah. And the winner of that youth rap contest at the Enoch Pratt Free Library was 14-year-old Eminem. Tupac Shakur. Oh, <laughs> that was Eminem. I just heard Detroit, and that's what made me think Eminem. I didn't say Detroit. I said Baltimore. Oh, okay. <laughs> so oh, I don't know how you heard Detroit yeah. when I didn't say Detroit. Uh, same thing. Not the same thing. I know, I know. The Enoch Pratt Free Library had a sponsored youth rap contest in November 85, and uh, Shakur spotted a flyer that said, Calling all rappers. Across the top, urging anyone under the age of 18 to write the best rap about the Pratt Library and be eligible for a cash prize. All entrants had to submit written copy in advance. No profanity allowed. And the finalists performed at the library at Pennsylvania and North Avenues. Okay. Shakur and his buddy Smith created library rap, which Shakur wrote out in long-handed black pen on a piece of lined notebook paper. And his East Side crew was the name of their, their rap group, and they entered the contest. Uh, and... The lady who put on the thing, she said, they were very polite boys. They were nice kids. I drove them to the contest because they didn't have transportation. And uh, at the beginning of the rap, Shakur says, yo, Enoch Pratt, bust this. And then he urged Baltimoreans to get library cards. <laughs> 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 they told kids to stay in school, learn to read, and get all the credits that you need. Okay. Uh, so anyway, that's how it all started with Tupac. All eyes on me. Saturday, November 2nd, 1985, Stevie Wonder takes over the number one spot in the Billboard charts with what? What do you um, think? Here's uh, a hint. Luther Vandross that's what sings, friends are for or sings back, back round vocals. No, what was that? What's what friends are for? Was that another Farmaid? That's what friends are Was that another that Live was, Aid or Farmaid where there's a whole bunch of them singing it? It was a few of them, but I, I don't know. I think it was for something, but it was Stevie Wonder and it was... Uh, Oh, uh, Dion Warwick. That's right. Uh, and maybe Gladys Knight or something. Yeah, it could I, be. We'll get to that whenever we get to that, but I don't think it was 85. This isn't it. Okay. Well, I don't know what this is. This is part-time love. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Luther Vandross sings with him. And so does Philip Bailey. Okay. Of Earth, Wind, and Fire, who also... Yeah. Remember Philip Bailey sang with Phil Collins? Oh, he did. Okay. She's an easy love. Oh, all right. She gave you a hot, you know, Saturday, November 9th, 1985, Robert Downey Jr. became a cast member on Saturday Night Live. Was for he really? one season. I was yep. going to say, I never knew that. Yep, and in this this night, Madonna hosted with yep. Simple Minds as the guest, and Robert Downey Jr. played Sean Penn in some kind of wedding oh, video thing. Like, he pretended to be Sean Penn. I can't remember what they were doing. But, um, yeah, Robert Downey Jr. is highly regarded as the worst Saturday Night Live cast member of all time oh really because this was a time when lauren michaels fired something about lauren michaels left saturday night live and then mm-hmm. came back like this is when he came back and he was trying to save it and he fired everybody and then he hired all these actors like these people that weren't comedian people and oh robert Downey jr is one of them there's a couple like julia louis dreyfus i was think on was there. around at the okay there's a couple other ones that were on there uh that didn't last good. Uh, oh anthony michael hall oh right. that's right yeah yeah like, he was an actor like, yeah he wasn't a wasn't comedian. a comedian so there's a, a few of these people that were just random they just yeah them in. but robert Downey jr is remembered as the worst um that's funny but he's had a super successful career so yeah that same night 
uh, uh, we got a new number one song. Okay. It's Part-Time Lover. America was done with Part-Time Lover. They're like, you know what? We're not into that. We want a TV theme song to be the number one song. Oh. We want... Uh, we want uh, just a TV theme song uh, to a show that maybe have guys with suit jackets, white suit jackets with the sleeves rolled up. Oh, Miami Vice theme Miami song. Miami Vice theme song, yeah. It was number one. It was number one on the Billboard charts, and it was the first. That's pretty pathetic. It was the first instrumental to top the Hot 100. I uh, thought you we had Chariots of Fire. As a no-, no, I'm sorry. It was the last instrumental to top the oh, okay. Hot 100 until 2013 when Harlem Shake made it. Oh, Harlem Shake is. Remember the Harlem Shake, that one with. Is a. Harlem Shake is like a, yeah, it's like it was a viral video for a while. It was a viral thing where people would, people were making these videos where it was like they start, it starts out with just like one or two people and then pretty soon it's everybody dressed in crazy costumes. Okay. Anyway, so there's that. And then Thursday, November 14th, 1985, a very special episode of Family Ties when Alex hires a 13-year-old tutor, Eugene Forbes. Uh, Is it the girl? No. Alex hires 13-year-old tutor Eugene Forbes to help him bring his grade up in advanced geometry from 89% to 90%. However, Eugene is immediately distracted when he meets Jennifer, and he struggles to learn how to stop being an intellectual genius and learn to be a 13-year-old kid. Eugene is played by River Phoenix. Oh. Yeah. Boy, that's crazy. And you know how River Phoenix died later. Yeah. He was killed on the set of Family Ties. No. No, he wasn't. No, that didn't happen. Uh, but yeah, River Phoenix was on there. Oh, Boom. Wow. Saturday, November sixteenth, nineteen eighty-five. It's Joy's birthday. It's Joy's birthday, it's, and she turned. I don't remember. She was four years young, or two years younger than me. So. Six. No, she wasn't. That Thirteen, old. four, eleven, she six. Was probably like eleven or something. Eleven. Happy birthday, Joy. That was it. Happy birthday to. <laughs> All right. Okay, Amy's got a friend named Joy, and she's not listening because no. she. Doesn't but I can, for Amy I'll shout her out, and then she, maybe yeah. she'll listen. That's what you do. Yep. You you, you dedicate everybody. an episode to her, and then she becomes a listener, and then That's she gets right. hooked. Also, Saturday, November sixteenth. Yep. Starship takes over the number one spot on the Billboard charts. Starship. Oh, is there? Starship. Yes. So there's a whole big background. I looked up on this why they it became, became Starship. A there, was Starship. A big, there was a lawsuit. Oh, there was uh, between some of the members of the band saying you can't use Jefferson and you can't use Airplane. Oh, really? So, you know, they were, Jeff- Jefferson, they were Starship. Jefferson Starship. Or no, they were Jefferson, Jefferson Airplane, Airplane first. Then they became Jefferson Starship. Jefferson Starship. Then they said, can't use Jefferson either? Yeah, they couldn't use Jefferson or Airplane. So they became just Starship. Starship. And, uh, and they were song, crappy by then. Was uh, it, that we built this city yeah, on rock and Which roll. is probably one of the greatest songs oh, in American history. It's an awful history. song. We built this city. Terrible song. And there's one verse by the guy and then one verse by yes. the, uh, Grace Lick. Mickey Thomas song. and Grace Lick are the two. It's like the only and, uh, one they did is Starship. Yeah, and this video... Uh, they were good as Jefferson Airplane. Yeah, they were. They rocked. And Starship was the greatest, too. No. We built this no, city on rock and roll. Built no. this city. All right, that's bad. How can that's you not fun. love that song? I don't care for it. You don't like it at all? No. Man. Well, in the video, they're you know they're in San Francisco in one part of it, and they're in... Uh, uh, I think they're in Vegas or somewhere after that. Because um, there's a bunch of cities built on rock and roll. Apparently. Yeah, there's, there's more than one city. And one knee deep in the hoopla. So dumb. Cooperation games, something like that. Yeah, and knee deep in the hoopla. <laughs> I just love that lyric when they're singing that. Knee deep in the hoopla. Like, who says that? <laughs> I know, it's dumb. And then that's what they named their album, Knee Deep in the Hoopla. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, God. I'm always knee deep in some hoopla. No, no you're I'm not. Saying, no, you're not. You know what I mean? 
Monday, November 18th, 1985. Yes. Mr. Snuffleupagus yeah. was revealed to the adults oh. on Sesame Street. Yeah, I know why. You they, do? Yeah, because he was imaginary and nobody ever believed Big Bird and they thought that was teaching or the kids. kids. The kids could see him too, I think, right? No, I don't think anybody could. Oh, just Big Bird. Maybe the kids could. Big Bird's the only one could but see him. Then, um, it was so it, frustrating. They, they were worried that they, would tr that they were teaching kids not to tell adults about stuff because they wouldn't be believed. Yep. And like, don't tell adults about abuse and stuff because they wouldn't be believed. So yeah. they, they made it That's so. exactly that, right. They yeah. thought it would make children less likely to hide sexual assault. That's right. Um, I remember being incredibly frustrated. I yes, like, I was too. Damn it, he was just there. Yeah, oh, I know. I'm shit, too. he's real. God dang it, he is a stuff. Like, ah. And then yeah. I, I wasn't watching Sesame Street anymore in 1985, so I was unaware that everybody that everybody could knew. see him until yeah. like I think when we had kids and we were watching. I was like, hey, how the fuck can they see stuff all of all of a sudden? Yeah. And then I kind of wondered, was that all just a a dream? You a had? dream I had? Or was it? And it was like the Berenstein Bears yeah. thing. Yeah. Where people think it's somebody went back in history and changed the way they spelled Berenstein. Oh, right. That it wasn't Berenstein or Berenstein. 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 S C A I N is how it is, but everybody thought it was Stein. Yeah, that's right. So they think there's like an alternate universe. There's like a matrix glitch. Which I also thought was a Snuffleupagus. There's a Snuffleupagus world and a Berenstein world. That's not true. No, it is true. We're living in a matrix. None of this is real. All right. Wednesday, November 27th, 1985. Yeah. Rocky Four was released. Which one is that? Uh, the Russian. Okay. It's the Russian. I remember that. I don't think I saw it, but I remember it. When shooting this film, Sylvester Stallone decided that for the shooting of the fight, he and Dolph Lundgren should hit one another for real, so as to increase the intensity of the scene. After doing three takes of Rocky taking shots to the ribs, Stallone felt a burning in his chest, but ignored it. Later, uh -huh. later that night, he had difficulty breathing and was taken to a nearby emergency room. It was discovered that his blood pressure was over 200, Oh. and he had flown... And he had to be flown on a low-altitude flight from Canada to St. John's Hospital in Santa Monica, where he remained in intensive care for four days. So Dolph Lundgren fucked him up. Dolph Lundgren had punched him so hard in the chest that his heart had slammed up against his breastbone Ooh. and began to swell, cutting off the blood supply and restricting the oxygen flow throughout the body. Ooh. Yeah. That's rough. Isn't that crazy? I never yeah. heard about that. You didn't hear about stuff no, back then. No, that's right. Carl Weathers nearly quit the film when Dolph Lundgren tossed Weathers into the corner of the boxing ring. Weathers shouted profanities at Lundgren while leaving the ring and announcing that he was calling his agent and quitting the movie. Mm -hmm. But Sylvester Stallone forced the two actors to reconcile to get the movie to continue. This event caused a four-day work stoppage while Weathers was talked back into the part. And Lundgren agreed to tone down his aggressiveness. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Wow. All that stuff happened. Yep. A lot of testosterone. Yes. Boners. Yes. Saturday, November. I don't think they had boners while they were they had boxing. Boners? Well, that's. No. Yeah, they all had boners. No, they so did they were, not. That's why they were fighting. They were, hey, stop getting a boner. Boom. Hey, now I got a boner. Oh, stop giving me a boner. Boom. Is that how it works with yeah, boys? That's how it works. That's you, what you fight. Every time there's a fight, yep, it's because they both have boner. boners. Yeah, it's because of a boner. Every that's time weird. you see a fight. So, they both have boners. Anytime you see anybody fighting, they, they both get, have boners. Well, think about it. You see two dudes get in a fight, like at a bar, yeah. what's the first thing they do? They get right in each other's, they like almost kiss. And then they put their nose and then they start, and their boners touch, and that's when they start fighting. As soon as the boner touches, that's when somebody starts the punch. So not. That's what I'm assuming. All right. I haven't been in many fights. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> I'm assuming that's what happens. <laughs> You're just assuming. That's what I assume happens. All right. Uh, yeah. I mean, what else could it be? Right, exactly. Yeah, right. That's the you only know? logical explanation. Yeah. What? How else could a fight start? Okay. Saturday, November 30th, yep. 1985, Phil Collins and Marilyn Martin take over the number one charts in the Billboard. Oh, was it? Chart uh, system. Uh, take a look at me now. No. Oh, no. I don't know who Marilyn Martin is. Do you? Mm -mm. I think I it's Martin Mole's wife. No, I don't think that's no, right. It probably isn't. Uh, separate this? lives. Oh yes. 
I can't think of how this goes. Now we're living separate lives. Something like, no, yeah, I'm, that I'm wrong. That sound right. I, I know it's on the tip of my tongue. Separate lives. I know. No, no. no it's, we um, are living separate lives. I can't Take remember. those separate lives. No, that's oh, not right I, I know. I know I um, looked it up, but. You know, oh, God, it's on the tip of my tongue. But Phil Collins is all over the charts. He was an 80s fantastico. There's, of course, a video. The official video is, oh, Gregory Hines is in it. Oh, nice. And he's getting a back rub. Oh, this is from the, also from that movie White Knights. Yeah, you ever heard that movie? Yeah, I think I have heard of it. Oh, yeah. You have no That's right. To ask me how I feel. You have no, no right. right to treat me so unkind. I can't go on. I can't go on. I don't remember this. On to time. Now that we're living, living, we're living. separate lives. Separate lives. I don't remember that song at all. But Gregory Hines is in the video, but I think it's just scenes from that movie. Yeah. Remember when Gregory Hines was everything? Yep. Remember, uh, big tap dancer. remember that movie with Gregory Hines and Billy Crystal? Uh, very vaguely. It was set in Chicago, and Were Billy they Crystal like, was always wearing a Cubs hat. Uh, God, that was Steve Bishop's favorite movie. I don't remember uh, what it's called, though. Um, I can't believe, I'm sure we'll talk about it. It must have been 86. Yeah. That came out. We'll Could talk be. about it hopefully next episode. But anyway, Gregory Hines was everywhere, he and was then now he's just nowhere. Is he alive still, I wonder? Uh, I don't know. I think he might be dead. If you're I think listening, I heard he was dead. If you're listening to this and you attended Gregory Hines' funeral, call in the show yeah, that's or right. tweet us at History Tell of Jerks. Because there's no other way for us to find out no, if he's alive No, we dead. can't find out. There's yeah, no right. way. We there's can no look other, up every no song we way. want immediately. There's no but, easy yeah, way to find no out. There's no way to find out. There's, we'll just never know until somebody tweets us. The, we'll just assume he's dead. Yeah, we'll just assume he's dead or a zombie. We'll assume he died and they came back to life. Okay. Until we hear different. Wednesday... Oh, wait, before we get move on, Phil, that song, Separate Lives, was written by songwriter Stephen Bishop. Oh. And he recorded his own version okay. for his album, Sleeping With Girls, for Polydor Records. Who cares? Stephen Bishop. I only wanted to mention yeah, that because my best friend is named Steve Bishop, and people get it confused all the time. You think I'm talking Steve about... Steve Bishop, listen. Uh, he doesn't... I don't think he has access doesn't to... doesn't know what a podcast is. No, he does, but he just doesn't have access to... The internet. Uh, the internet right now or something. Oh, okay. But he said when he return, when he gets it back, he's going to listen. <laughs> <laughs> he's on a break. He's on a social media break. Okay. Or a, a universe break or something. Okay. Uh, he loves, loves cigarettes. Wednesday, December 4th, 1985. Um, the Jewel of the Nile... The Jewel... Came out. ...of the Nile. The... um. Romancing the Stone, which was 1984, that was the predecessor of this film. You know, I don't know that I knew that there was two. Yeah, the, it was the only produced screenplay for writer Diane Thomas. She'd been working as a waitress in Malibu when producer star Michael Douglas optioned her script for $250,000, allowing her to quit her job. Sadly, Thomas died in a car accident while working on a new movie project with Steven Spielberg the following year, about oh, no. seven weeks before the opening of this film. Oh, she was a passenger while her boyfriend was driving in a Porsche that Douglas had bought for her as a thank you gift. Oh, I'd the like film a is dedicated in memory of Thomas. Oh my gosh, I didn't know about that. Yep, there there's you also go. Philip Michael Thomas's wife. Nope, she was a waitress. Oh, in a cocktail bar. Do you know who Philip Michael Thomas is? Yes, 
He was in Miami Vice, I believe. Right? I was working as a waitress in a cocktail bar. It took you a minute for that one. When I met you. Right, we covered that song in uh, a previous did already. episode. That's right. Um, but we didn't sing that line from it. And I, I regret not singing that line I from it. I think we might have. No, we didn't. We sang just the, don't, don't you want me. Don't baby. you want me. Right. We didn't sing the cocktail bar part. I, mean, I was waiting for us to, and I'm just upset that we didn't. Friday, <laughs> December 6, 1985. Spies Like Us came out. I never saw that. Remember that movie? Uh, yeah, but I never saw it. I did. I saw I remember my, my grandma took us to see it. I remember seeing that. Oh, really? It was uh, it was uh, Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd, who didn't, oh. who rarely worked together on Saturday Night Live. But they this, probably didn't get along. Chevy Chase is supposed to be a giant he's asshole. He's a big, huge asshole. Everybody yeah. hates his guts. Um, and this was, again, another movie that was supposed to be John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd. And yeah. John Belushi died. Apparently, there's... There was 800 movies planned for John Belushi, John Belushi. And Ghostbusters, yeah. and Spies Like Us, and I remember reading there's a whole bunch of them. That's oh, this was supposed to be John Belushi, John Belushi again, but he died, so somebody else got it. Wow! So really, there's a lot of actors that should thank John Belushi for dying, <laughs> comedians because they got <laughs> I parts. Guess so. Chevy Chase is one of them, but he's he never will. He's apparently a dick. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It was, yeah, so that's all I had about that. It was supposed to be John Belushi. And then Saturday, December, and it wasn't that good. It was like kind mm-hmm. of funny, like some funny parts. Yeah. But you, when you see those two you know, guys you from Saturday Night Live, you think it's going to be hilarious. Yeah. And it's just, Not. they're spies. And I think you see Dan Aykroyd's wife's boobs in it, maybe. She's like a Russian. Oh, Grandma took you to Russian. a movie with boobs? Yeah, I think. Oh, wow. I think I feel like there was boobs and everything. Maybe you didn't see her boobs. Maybe she's just in a bikini mm-hmm. or something. But. Could be. Yeah, she probably covered our eyes and then probably asked us if we were okay after yeah, this. Which my grandma would always, if you were ever in the bathroom for more than 30 seconds, she grandma, would, grandma would okay. knock on the door and be like, are you okay? Do you need a, do you need a tempo? That, that's got to be irritating. <laughs> yeah. That would be very irritating. Well, you know what? Now the tables have turned. She's 89 years old. She's, she's in the bathroom alive. every five she, seconds. Yeah, she goes to the bathroom like uh, every 15 minutes. So we should now. Now knock on it. Do you need a tempo? Are you okay? Are you okay? Uh, everything okay? Are you okay? Which I never heard of tempo until I met your grandmother. Yeah, my grandma loved tempo. It was a, I don't, that was, must was have been a, a regional gummy, medication. It was a gummy stomach soother. It really worked really good, though, yeah. I gotta say. They don't make it here. Yeah, they don't make it. She's still got some. She's, she, she, From she hoarded the it. 80s. Wow. She hoarded it. Uh, so she's still got some. Um, that's that's why I think she hoards things. Yeah. Anyway, enough about my grandma. This is not this is uh, not, not to be confused with our Betty other my other podcast, the um, my eighty nine year old grandmother's um, embarrassing habits. Yeah. That's that'll be that released next different, year. Yeah, that's, that's a different next podcast. Year. We're working on that. We have we only have seventeen hours of that recorded right now. We need once we get some up more. To, we need a little more of that. Yeah, a little more yep. of my grandmother's embarrassing habits. Saturday, December seventh, nineteen eighty five. A new number one single by Mr. Mister. Oh, was it uh, Sister Christian? No, that was somebody oh, else. What? It's somebody else. What night? That's Night Ranger. Oh, Bite sorry, your sorry. Slap sorry. yourself in the face. How you, all right. What? Calm no, down. No one, no one misattributes Night Ranger to Mister Mister Sister Christian on my podcast. All right. No one misattributes. Stop. Calm it down. No, no one does that. What my, is? You, cannot, you are kicked off the oh, podcast. Shush. What Get is off the, the mis- podcast. You're. You are Shut now. Shut up. Not allowed to listen to the podcast. All right, what is the stupid song? I just need a moment to go. No, you don't. What's the stupid song? I'm really song? upset by what no, you just not. said. Take these broken oh, wings. Oh, God, that's an awful song. And learn to fly again. All Something right. up in Learn to space. live so free. Live so free. Yeah. Uh, that's a great song. No, it's not. I know everything about that it song, sucks. except all the words. Um, 
late 80s started to have really crappy songs. Yeah. Now, that was a great song. No, that's not a great song. You know, of course, I don't like ballads, so every time there's a ballad, I say it's a bad song. I will admit, a lot of the ballads and I have stuff, to admit that. I will admit that I think I started liking more when you play them. Like, funny thing, that video game Grand Theft Auto, yeah. where you could put, turn on the 80s station. Oh, and it was all... It yeah. really made songs from the 80s sound so much cooler. They were much more fun, like when you're shooting When do guys. you play Grand Theft Auto? Well, I don't anymore, but I used to. Oh. Like the ones that came out in the... I don't know, 10 years ago or whatever. Okay. And they would have an 80s channel, and you could play All these crazy Take songs. These Broken Wings while murdering people, and it just makes it better yeah. in a song. Like okay. you, you now remember it, instead of remembering it as a kid. You're a psychopath. No, I mean, I don't want to really murder anyone, but it's fun to murder them in a video game. Wednesday, December 18th, 1985, The Color Purple came out. Yes, and it jointly holds the record with The Turning Point in 1977 for the film with most Oscar nominations without a single win, oh, which really? was 11. Oh, really? because of racism, probably, Maybe. right? Maybe. This yeah. is Whoopi Goldberg's first film. Yes, Op and Oprah's, first, Oprah Winfrey's first yeah, film. Yeah, Oprah Winfrey's first film, but Whoopi Goldberg's first feature film. Yes. But Oprah Winfrey uh, went to a fat farm. She was at a fat farm yeah. trying to lose weight. When and she learned she got the roller, so she had to leave immediately because she needed to stay chubby. Yep, yeah, that's right. Yep. She was good in that. You said you never saw it, but she was good in it. Yeah, I didn't. I haven't. Oprah's really seen good it. in I it. I don't know why. I just, I don't know. When, when would I have the, I don't know. I know Steven Spielberg said he felt ins insecure about being the director of this film. Right. Uh, but Quincy Jones. Well, he felt insecure because, you know, right. what does he know about racism in the South? And um, he thinks it should be directed by somebody of color. But Quincy Jones, somebody who had uh, faced the struggles, and Quincy Jones said something about, no, did you have to be an alien to direct E.T.? No, yeah. it's fine, you know, whatever kind of thing. So that's, that's interesting. Friday, December 20th, 1985, Out of Africa. Yeah, out. that's right. And I have nothing for that. You don't have anything for that? No, because I've, I've never seen it. I haven't either. And you and can't see all it. The it's trivia, not anywhere. All the trivia is about the... It's based on a true person's life, and oh. all the trivia is about that. It's about that person who we don't know? don't know. Yeah, it's like a writer or somebody, and I don't know any of the it's, context. It's got, we know it's got Meryl Streep, right? Yeah. Meryl Streep and... Um, I don't know who. Jeffrey Tambor. Maybe. No. no. You made that up. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Although I think he's a sexual assault guy now, too. Oh, is he? I think no, so. No, not Jeffrey Tambor. Yeah, he did Come something on. wrong. Yeah. And he even, I mean, you're oh. supposed to think he's great because he plays a transgender person. But right. I guess he was sexually harassing everyone. Oh, I no. Think. Yeah, I think everyone. Quit breaking my heart, men. Men are, we need to just take a break from all men for a while. That's just have right. all women in charge and in media just for a something. while. Something's got to And then you can be let back in as a man once you... Proven that you're not a weirdo. Stop doing stuff with your wiener. Um, yeah, out of Africa. No, it is available to pay for, but I don't like no, pay, don't paying for movies. Pay for, so. I don't think it's that good. But it won an Oscar. I think yeah, it won it Best Picture. Yeah, I think it might have. Or something. Yeah, it won Best Picture because it was on my list of movies I was supposed to watch, but I haven't been able to see it. Yeah. I can't find it for free. December 21st, 1985. A new number one song takes over the Billboard charts by Lionel Richie. Yeah. And since you're a huge Richie fan. Since I'm a huge Lionel, Lionel Richie, Richie fan. fan is it Hello? No. Is it Dancing on the Ceiling or we already do that one? They all are the same. It's not Dancing on the Ceiling. It's a very Is it slow. Truly, Truly in Love with You, That's no, not that either. Oh. That was last year, I think. Oh, it was. The previous year. Say you, oh. say me. See, my point is constantly together. proven that Lionel Richie sucks. 
That's a great song. No, it's not. You just hate his mustache. No, I I hate his music. You, I feel like you don't respect the mustache. No, is what I think he, you're not wearing your Lionel Richie shirt anymore. No, At the I beginning of the it. episode you were. Well, I I like to change. I have like to you do change costume your, change changes. Change up your shirt. Yeah, I do now go, you're wearing a Golden Girls shirt. I do, <laughs> I do like, yeah. There's something wrong with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there's, <laughs> there's something wrong with me. I do costume changes in the podcast. That's I right. Do, you do. You, you know, always, every. I mean, it's like. You know what was the award like ceremony where it's like Beyonce? She made, how right. many costume changes does Beyonce and so do? You gotta do Madonna? some too. Yeah, do costume That's changes. Right. I mean, it's for our fans. That's right. Saturday, December twenty-first, the same day that Lionel Richie takes over the top spot. Yes. Edward Johnson. Yeah. Programmed his computer to call Jerry Falwell's toll-free number every thirty seconds and <laughs> hang up. <laughs> Why? In total, he charged over $500,000 in phone bills to Falwell's organization by tying Sweet. up the lines. He said he launched the campaign after seeing an April 7th broadcast in which TV preacher Jimmy Swaggart talked about acquired immune deficiency syndrome and homosexuals. Oh, I bet it was awful what he said. And he said earlier he had been angered when his mother contributed to these television evangel- yeah. evangelists. Because they're yeah, all he said, sh- shysters. She's easily taken in by these Swindlers. people. She almost gave the family farm away to these guys. God, so they were awful. Said, they took so gonna, much money from In 1985, people. to be able to program your computer to do that, yeah, not that's many pretty, people could do that. that. He must so, have been a genius. Yeah, he was. That's good sweet. For him. Yeah, yeah, good for him. Sunday, December 22nd, 1985, yeah. Madonna takes over the number one chart with, with her, her most known song by Madonna. Material Girl? No. Oh. A little more known than that, right? Like a virgin? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a surgeon, a virgin. Yeah. Surgeon was Weird Al's version, but yep. Uh, and that video where she's rolling around in her wedding dress? It was written by Billy Steinberg and Tom Kelly. The mm-hmm. idea for the song originated when Steinberg was living in his father's vineyards in the Coachella Valley and driving a red pickup truck one day. In an interview with the Los Angeles Times, he explained that the song was not written for Madonna or any female singer but was inspired by his personal experiences. At this time, Steinberg had just come out of an emotionally challenging relationship, and he had met someone new. That inspired the lyrics for Like a Virgin. I can't imagine a man singing that. I think that would be a total joke if a man sang that. I know. When I read that, I can't believe he wrote that. Yeah. And he didn't say it was for a woman to sing. Yeah, when he took the song to Kelly, they decided it would would be a sensitive ballad. However, they could not decide how how to word how the word virgin would fit in. And he said, I was just trying to get that racy word. I wasn't just trying to get that racy word virgin in a lyric. I was saying that I may not really be a virgin, but I've been battered romantically and emotionally like many people. But I'm starting a new relationship. It just feels so good. What a douche. It's healing all the wounds and making me feel like I've never done this before because it's so much deeper, more profound than anything I've ever felt. Any guy said this to a reporter? Yeah, and he, he probably said that to a woman in that relationship. And she was probably she like, that? like, she probably got, got rid of him right then yeah, and there. What like, a, Jay, what are you talking about? I know. Tuesday, December 24th, that's Christmas Eve. Yes. Um, Abraham Lincoln on that day was shot. No, no. Abraham Lincoln was dead for years. <laughs> I know. Um, but this is when he, his last descendant died. Oh. A great-grandson, Robert Todd Lincoln Beckwith, died on okay. December 24, 1985. There are now no more Lincoln relatives. Okay. Can we do, Can should I do my Christmas? I have one thing on Christmas. You too. do? Yeah, do your Christmas okay. list. But this is, actually, why don't you go ahead and start, because okay. my thing might be part of your thing, because mine's a toy. 
Okay, so the the toys. Yes. Now that we're at Christmas in 1985, Christmas popular 85. toys, and I need to do a, an apology and a correction from last time. The CNC what? was invented in 1965, so we were correct. So we were right about. I, know I don't I know why it, it was on that list. Maybe they came out with like a new maybe version, it was a new kind, or something. Yeah, yeah. because um, I knew that we both were like, yeah, we played with that when we were. Thank kids. you for correcting that. So anyway, the Transformers Autobot radio communicator. Transformers more than meets the eye. This Autobot transforms into a radio communicator. So it looks like a radio. Yeah. And then it can play tapes, I think. And then it turns into a Transformer. Then. Oh, wait a minute. What was it called? Transformers Autobot Radio Communicator. Oh, because there was a Transformer that turned into a boombox. It was kind of like that. It was smaller. That was red. Oh, this one was orange and yellow, I think. Okay, so it must have been different. Then Barbie's home and office. Portable case opens up to a beautiful bedroom on one side, office on the other for Barbie. What does Barbie, do you suppose, what does she do in her office? She twiddles. That's it? She doesn't No, she's got lots of, she's probably an accountant. She's probably got lots of, yeah. She's been everything. You know, I've never once. Barbie has been. Uh, a lot of the president of the United States. Well, she has an astronaut. Well, I'm proud of her. You know, she's been. All I know a lot of people things. think of her just being a bimbo, but you and know, her running mate was a woman. Was another Barbie that was a girl. Well, she was super hot, and I will say that's typical of accounting to me. I've never met somebody in an accounting department that isn't oh, super hot and beautiful. You haven't been around accounting departments much. Oh no, we have an accounting department, and actually, most of the accounting department where I work, they listen. So um, okay, I so will say they are very, say attractive very attractive people. people. They are. I mean, <laughs> you think you're you don't know you're walking in an accounting department. You walk into yeah. the accounting department where I work and you think you've just walked into a modeling agency and it's just a bunch of models. You no, know, you're playing it on a little bit. They're pack. all beautiful people. All right, the next thing is the bed bugs game. Bugs are in the bed. This frantic chase and capture game called bed bugs is zany and fun. Take the giant bug tongs and capture the bugs from the bed but make sure they're the right color. So that was like, you know, it was like a Hungry Hippos type game where they the thing like vibrated and the little plastic bugs would jump all around and you had tongs and you had to pick the bugs off of there it. Are, there are super poor people that, have real that are bed laying bugs. there with real bed bugs saying, people are, rich people are amusing themselves <laughs> by pretending they're that. in our house playing with our bed bugs. Then there was Fisher-Price Kodak camera. And this camera from Fisher-Price and Kodak is made for children. It has specially designed film advance and shutter controls that are extra large for use with small fingers. Boom. Level pictures are a snap thanks to the bright red indicator. It has soft cushioned end caps, a breakaway neck strap, impact resistant film door, and built-in lens cover. And it had, like, you remember those big flash bulbs that were like in a, they were like, there'd be like eight Uh of them little squares. Uh It came with that. You'd put on it. Like, it was a real kind of camera. camera. And I never remember that I don't either. I remember my grandma always had those flash There's GoBot Puzzler Set. This Puzzler Set turns into six separate GoBots when you maneuver the parts. GoBots. Knockoff of Transformers. Rainbow Bright Color Kids. The Color Kids are here to help Rainbow Bright spread the cheer. Nine-inch soft-sculptured fabric dolls have vinyl faces and yarn hair. Each Each has color sprite to match. Choose from Rainbow Bright, Lala Orange, Buddy Blue, Canary Yellow, Shy Violet, Red Butler, and Patio Green. I remember so, Rainbow, Rainbow Bright. Bright. I remember they had a Rainbow Bright cereal that I always wanted, but I was always afraid. That you were afraid to be. I couldn't get it. Because it's girls. I couldn't ask it because I thought my mom wouldn't get it, but it looked so delicious. Then there was a robot named Verbo. Verbo. And is the remote control voice activated robot. Through his wireless remote microphone, you could order him to move forward and backward, turn right or left, and pick up lightweight things. You could even tell him when to smile. And it kind of looked like that. Smile, bitch. Remember Alfie robot? It kind of looked like that. Alfie. And he had like a pixelated face. So it would smile. 
Then there was a Get In Shape Girl Workout Plus. And get I remember this. Girl. Workout Plus is an ideal for fashion-conscious little lady. Includes two lightweight dumbbells, Terry headband, and two leg warmers. <laughs> so it was just a dumbbell, yeah. some leg warmers, and a headband. And that's what, what it was. They made so much money. And they probably did. And yeah. I remember it was so... I mean, talk about the anorexic 80s. We need to come up with stupid, you know, yeah, yeah, making people fat shame, making fat shame fat children. Shaming. Yep. Fat shame them early. And then the last one was Wuzzles. Wuzzles are fantasy characters that combine oh. the best features of two different animals. I remember these. They live in the magical land of Wuzz, a place where all things are possible. Soft and cuddly, they'll capture the heart of any child. Wuzzles. They have a surface washable acrylic cover. Each comes with an exciting storybook so children can join them in their many adventures. Choose from Bumbleion, Butterbear, Ellaroo, Hippopotamus, Moosel, or Rhino Key. So, yeah, and they were kind of rhino like, and a monkey. Yeah, I remember those. Yeah. I think Steve Bishop also had wuzzles. Wuzzles. He was a wuzzle fan. That's yeah. all your toys. Those are my I, toys. Because I have a toy. Okay. Um, Mattel released an action figure of. Remember you talked about the He-Man figures, yes. and then later they made more He-Man, yes. like different secondary characters. They released an action figure of Stinkor, who was an anthropomorphic skunk supervillain of the He-Man universe. Oh, okay. In 1985, patchouli oil was added to the molds to recreate the character's unpleasant superpower. So he really stunk. He had oh. patchouli on him. Ugh. And I did. I looked a lot of this up because we had Stinkor. You did? And famously, we lost him in a big sand pile at, at, at the lake. Yeah. Uh, where there was a big, giant sand pile. We'd play in the sand all the time. And you got him. We, we, would, got buried. we would bury guys, and we would like... You know, you try to find, it's like hide the characters yeah. and you try to find them. Kind and you of thing. could never find we him. We never found Stinkor. Like, we never found Somebody like, did someday, maybe. Uh, I don't think so. I think he's still in that sand. I want to go up there someday and see if we can find Stinkor. Dig him but, up. But um, people have said that they've dug out their toys from 20 years ago. Yeah. Now it's how many years has been? 40 years ago? Yeah. Um, 35, and whatever. Stinkor it is. still smells. Stinkor still smells like patchouli. Like oh he's my still, gosh. He's still got his stink. How Isn't that funny. crazy? That is crazy. Yeah. Um, that's a weird thing. And he would look exactly like Merman, except he was not blue. He was black. Okay. Uh, Thursday, December 26th, the day after Christmas. I've got two things for that. Oh, you do have something. Okay, two things, yeah. What do you got? Uh, the Colbys were on TV. It was a spinoff of Dynasty. Dynasty, I remember that. Uh, Blake, Fallon, and Little Blake are reunited on this episode. Okay. And Hutch breaks off his relationship with Constance after learning about her wealth from Monica. Their names. The and names kill me on the dynasty. Miles offers Fallon an annulment. Fallon, Blake, and, and Miles. And catches his father confessing his love for Francesca. God. Did you know that Charlton, Hel Charlton Heston and Ricardo Montalban were on that? No. I didn't know they were on that. Also on, on ABC was Shadow Chasers. Don't remember that. A sleazy scandal sheet reporter, Benny, and stiff British college professor, Jonathan, team up to investigate UFO sightings. Okay. Uh, don't remember that. And vampires and time travelers and ghosts and other paranormal things. Yeah, I don't remember ever hearing about that. Yeah. What I, do you have? I have first um, the airplane celebrity death. No, no, wait. Never December mind. December 26th. So the 26th. Okay. This December 26th, I have a kind of a little mini story. Um about a man named Whitley Stryber. So something happened to Whitley Stryber the same night the Colby's was on? Yes. So Whitley Stryber was um, a, a screenwriter, and he wrote Wolfen. Remember that movie? And The no. Hunger? Nope. They're, they're kind of like horror movies. He huh. wrote those. And um, he um, was vacationing with his wife and son over the Christmas holidays in 1985. Um, he claims that at 11 o'clock p.m. on December 26th, 
he was abducted by aliens. Ooh. And um, it's, accepted, it's an accepted fact in the UFO community that very few scientists will entertain the idea that UFOs are real. Um, it's even rarer that an educated professional person would delve into the dark, puzzling world of alien abductions. Author Whitley Stryber is one of those rare individuals. His book, Communion, is a must-read for anyone interested in the subject. He is an abductee himself, and his abduction is one of the most bizarre on record. What? I'm going to read that. He's one of the most important figures in alien research. Um, so his strange abduction would take place in an isolated cabin in the northern part of New York State. The lonely setting of the cabin caused him to have concerns for this family's safety, and he had only recently had a cutting-edge security system installed. He was... Um, Cutting edge of 1985. Right. And he was the last person in the world to believe aliens were real, according to him, before this happened. Oh, he was the last person. You know, he would like, never believe. Yeah. Yeah. So he had activated his security system at about 11 p.m. on December 26th, and his family began to retire for the evening. A few hours later, he heard a strange sound, which woke him from sleep. <laughs> yeah. It was like a whooshing sound, he said. <laughs> so... Thinking that he might have a burglar sh who had set the alarm system, who had set off the alarm system, he went to check it out. As he did, he was shocked to see a creature standing in his bedroom that was bleep, bleep, bleep. three feet tall, gray alien with big eyes and a small mouth. It saw him and it ran classic, downstairs. Classic gray. The next thing, the next thing Stryber knew, he was sitting in a woods a few hundred yards away that encircled his cabin. He was out in the woods and he it was, was teleported. It was the morning. He was oh, at a loss to explain survive. what had happened and how he had gotten from the bedroom to the woods. His memories were lost. Wiped the memories. He eventually sought the help of Dr. Donald F. Klein. Was there anything wrong with his anus? Anal probes? I don't know. We'll wait and see. Oh. Klein would perform a regressive hypnosis on Stryber in an attempt to recover the lost time. The sessions would be helpful and enable him to recover many of the details of what really happened on the night of December 26th. Oh, my gosh. What really so, happened? What really happened? I can't wait. Stryber recalls being floated from his bedroom to a UFO, which was waiting somewhere above the thick woods. He would see several different types of alien beings on the ship. One was a little robot type. Another was stop it. Another was a short, nice. stocky humanoid. Oh, George Costanza. The third type was very thin and frail, with a haunting black slanted eyes, and the last had smaller button-type eyes. So, like minute bowl, and then uh, he would undergo eyes, numerous medical procedures on the UFO. They were communicating with him somehow. He was in an operating theater, and a metallic box was brought out that they communicated was going to go in his brain. Um. Wow. So, the one of the harrowing procedures was the insertion of a long needle directly into his brain. Wow. The aliens also inserted a tool in his rectum. There you go for that. Rectum. And took a I blood sample from his finger. Always rectum action. That's right. Because many of the details of his alleged abduction were so bizarre, Dr. Klein diagnosed Stryber as having temporal lobe epilepsy. One of the most common effects of the condition is the onset of hallucinations. Mm. So tep temporal lobe epilepsy can be explained this way. The features of seizures beginning in the temporal lobe can be extremely varied, but certain patterns are common. There may be a mixture of different feelings, emotions, thoughts, and experiences, which may be familiar or completely foreign. Um... In, other, in others, the person may feel as if everything, including home and family, appears strange. Hallucinations of voices, music, people, smells, or tastes may occur. Hmm. Sounds to me like it's just alien. That's what happens when there's an alien. That's a, that's a diagnosis so they give, a Dr. fake diagnosis. That Stryber did not accept Dr. Klein's 
diagnosis and believe that all of the events he recalled either. in regressive hypnosis really happened. Yep. Um, he I would, would, also he would form a support group for adoptees and write extensively on the subject. Um, he went to a podiatrist oh, that makes sense. named Roger Lear, who was a friend of his, and, and he said that he had an implant. Um, he, he claimed that he had, there was something implanted in his ear. And so... And the podiatrist said, the podiatrist I can't help you. I only do the feet. feet. I no, can clip your toenails. According to them, the podiatrist found the implant oh. in his ear. And it was... Even giving, though it wasn't a foot? Yes. Hmm. And, the, and that the implant was giving off an FM signal inside of his body. They dug it out, and it was made of a meteoric iron. And according to them, when when according to the doctor, when he went to retrieve it, like it moved, it burrowed deeper into the ears. They they retrieved a piece of it. Doctor Lear would go on to remove sixteen different implants from people claiming alien abduction. Boom. The implants are covered in protein strings that are alive and somehow woven into the metal. Jeez. They are enmeshed in flesh inside of the muscle. So it's like they're covered in like the skin. Yeah. But it's inside the it. muscle, yeah. and you can't have naturally. You wouldn't have anything with skin on it inside nope. your muscle. Yep. It's it definitely. Yep. We're all controlled by aliens i think we're all controlled by squid so um as the years progressed striber claims he would be constantly abducted he didn't tell his wife at first because he thought he'd been raped and his brain was processing it in a weird way yeah he finally told his wife and she said she experienced the same thing he felt he needed to make peace with she the also was abducted yeah and then he felt he he needed to make peace with the visitors as he called them so they started to commute to commune with the visitors and he now sort of supports these visitors coming. Yeah, and let's check you become friends with them. Hey, buddy, where's Phil? And oh, Phil's um, not here this time. Yeah, he has a website the called Unknown Country that he maintains. Still? Yeah. Unknown Country? Did you check yep. it out? No, I didn't check it out. Holy cow! But that's so. That's the story of Whitley Stryber's strange alien abduction. You, that's changed my life. I'm gonna unknown. Yeah. What's it called? Unknown what? Unknown Country. Unknown Country. I'm gonna. Look at that up, and then we'll report back. You'll look at that up. I'm gonna look at it. Look at that up. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> definitely look that up. That's, <laughs> I believe that sounds more believable than all the other stuff you've ever said. Serial killers, everything. And okay. And then you have Thursday, December 31st, I New do. Year's Eve, an airplane celebrity death. Yeah. Ricky Nelson. Ricky Nelson. Ricky yes, Nelson. of of the band Nelson, the 80s That's right. band Nelson. So right? on December 26th, Nelson and the band left for a three-stop tour of the Southern United States. Now Nelson and Gunner, that's their names, right? Those the are Nelson the kids. Twins. Those are the kids. Oh, those are Ricky Nelson's kids. Yeah. Those are Ricky Nelson's kids. Oh, the the Nelson twins. I didn't realize yeah. they had a famous father. Yeah. So, following shows in Orlando, Florida, and Gunnersville, Alabama, Nelson and the oh, band members why named Gunner. took off from Gunnersville for a New Year's Eve extravaganza in Dallas, Texas. The plane crash landed northeast of Dallas in DeKalb, Texas, in a cow pasture less than two miles from a landing strip at approximately 5.14 p.m. on December 31st, 1985, hitting trees on its way down. Seven of the nine occupants were killed. Oh, man. Including Ricky Nelson. Including Ricky Nelson. Man, poor guy. That's right. And then the Nelson Twins. And then the Nelson Twins. Think, so that was yeah. 1985. That was 1985 in a nutshell. And so that's part Large two. Large nutshell. That was part two of 1985, that's which right. uh, thank all you uh, Yes, thank you. Everybody people. who's listening, tell, tell a friend. Yeah, we really didn't think anybody would be listening when there are some people. There's yeah. not a ton. 
but there's some. There, we'll get there. We're, we're entertaining. Get, this them. is only the twentieth episode. Or the, that's true. Well, we just went over it, and, and I don't. We'll I don't get remember. Up, yeah, we're the only the eighteenth, eighteenth or nineteenth or, or something like that. Nineteenth. And um, but we'll yeah we'll get there. I mean, people word will spread, and uh, this is an interesting like format. That's right. Uh, hopefully, nobody just steals this format. It's too too famous. People don't steal this format and then just right. do it themselves. That's right. Just steal our research. Um, but but thank you. Uh, follow us on. Twitter at yeah, and History I gotta thank Matt, Matt Truman again. Uh, That's right. His music is awesome. I just found another album of his called Ice Cream um, Novelties. It's yeah. a new album he's got. It's not new. It came out in 2017, but it's good. Yeah. He's got a bunch of albums on there. Check him out. Yes. It's on Bandcamp website. Check that out. And, che- and check us out on, on Twitter and yeah. Facebook at History for Jerks. I just Instagrammed his new album, so check out our Instagram. Instagram at History his, for Jerks, yep, right? I think and that's it. American Same. Timelines and Facebook. American Timelines. And Podcast. tell a friend and rate and review yeah, us give on us some iTunes. More, yeah, give us five stars on iTunes, even if you hate us. That's right. Just give us five person, stars and then say Somebody gave us. us one star. Somebody hates us and gave us one star, so we need more five stars. That's right. And around. if you know us, then you're a dick if you haven't rated us. So yeah, yet. and if you, if you know us and aren't listening... You aren't well, hearing this. No, you aren't hearing this. Yeah. But if you know us, you're listening, and you haven't rate and review us, yeah, then you're a dick. On. Well, you're not a dick. You've just been lazy. Get off your asshole. Just, it doesn't take that long. Uh, Brandon Wilhelm, I'm talking to you. Get off your butthole. Brandon Wilhelm is a Get beautiful off your snatch, man. Brandon. Oh, and there's a correction apology he gave me. Remember several episodes back, back in the season one, we found out how expensive that Tom Cruise video was. Oh, it yeah. Was like 30 bucks. I was like, oh, my God, they were all, or 100 bucks or something. Yeah. Like, $100. He said that was... That's how much they were for video stores to buy them. Because video stores oh. would get new videos first, and they'd be like 90 100 oh. And then when they open to the public, they're like 20 Oh, that's still a lot of money he spent on that. He did. He st- can't justify it He did us. still spend a lot of money. But now he spends all his money on beer, beer, IPAs, and he's uh, the Green Lady. Yep. So shout out to the Green Lady. Mention in the podcast. If you're a regular Green Lady in Chicago, listen to our pod- podcast and subscribe and like and give us five stars. And the owner is a wonderful lady that gets yeah. delicious beers. They had one called... Uh, gummy vortex that I enjoyed there. It was all very right. delicious. All right. All right. I love you. All right. I love all of you. Yep. Um, it's time to get out of here, Chuck Berry. Uh, yes, I love the accounting department. Uh, yep. I love everyone. Right. Uh, get out of here, Chuck Berry. Get out. Get out.